and welcome to another episode of the Buckle Bomb Show here on Bomb Media Productions. I'm your host, Bobby, and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again as the Bucks are playing in Germany early this Sunday morning. I'm excited to get this show on the road and hopefully see a Bucks victory. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, Anthony Rohn. Tony, Mr. Grizz, how you doing? Well, much like you being... Much like you being super hyped for the Buccaneers playing in Munich, I will be missing Raw tomorrow night because the Eagles will be putting another ass whooping on the Washington Commanders. So at least we'll both have something to celebrate. <laughs> go Bucks, go uh, Birds. I'm sure you got ducks. some shit talking into uh, Bradley last night at that wedding you're at. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Me no. All right, we'll go ahead and get this show on the road and jump right into it here. Our first topic of the day is not from the WWE or the AEW. It is from, of all places, the NWA. We're going old school here. Uh, Nick Aldis has been in the news a lot. He appeared on the Not Sam show and talked about his uh, why he was deciding to leave uh, the NWA at the end of his current contract, which is up, I believe, in January. Um, and he talked about how uh, didn't pass the Harley race test and said a few other things. It wasn't necessarily uh, over the top in his criticism. He just said, hey, a couple of things are there that I don't necessarily agree with or like. And, you know, I'm going to try and move on here. And within a few hours of that uh, Not Sam show dropping, Billy Corgan, or at least the NWA, put out a statement and said that they were suspending Nick Aldis for comments that he had made. And uh, Billy Corgan came out and said it was because of what he said on Not Sam. And uh, quite frankly, Billy Corgan hasn't shut up a whole lot since. He's been, of course, he's been asked a lot about, he, he's talked about everything that's going on in wrestling right now, CM Punk and all all this stuff. But he's talked a lot about this Nick Aldis situation. Uh, and it does seem to be a shoot. Uh, so the first question for you I have, Tony, is... Uh, the first question before we talk about where we see Nick Aldis going into the future, what do you think of this situation with uh, the NWA and with Billy Corgan and the uh, deterioration of what had obviously obviously been at some point a pretty good relationship between Corgan and Aldis? So, in my opinion with this, it's very bizarre. Um I know that Nick Aldis has an issue with the direction that he feels like NWA is heading, like you alluded to with the Harley race test. Um, but he's talking about Harley race test, Harley race, Triple H. Nick Aldis WWE confirmed. Uh, but <laughs> it's just one of those things that happened out of the blue because if memory serves me correctly, did Nick Aldis not already inform Billy Corgan in the NWA that he was not going to be renewing his contract come January anyways. I mean, I, I knew, I know and, that was already out there in the news that seemed to, I don't know if it was confirmed necessarily uh, as far as the public knowledge, but obviously he had already told, told Billy Corgan. And then ironically enough, he actually speaks his fucking piece on a public platform and just randomly gets suspended yeah, and that, that that doesn't seem like a totalitarian company whatsoever, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, I can understand to a certain degree, like, and this was part of what Billy Corgan said uh, in his first comments, was like, 
man, you could have said whatever you want in January. It wouldn't have mattered. But while you're still a part of the company, you're going to disparage us? Like, eh, maybe just wait a few months. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Sound a little fucking hypocritical all of a sudden now, aren't we, buddy? I'm saying I can understand it, and that's what Billy Corkin said. But you couldn't understand why the Bucks were pissed off at CM Punk? Sure. I can I didn't never said I couldn't understand that. But let's stay on topic here. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flippy Floppy. <laughs> no, I, I I'm with Aldous on this one, just like Yeah. But uh you know, I, I certainly I'm always someone that can see every size and see where someone's coming from. I can see where Corgan's coming from here. Just wait a couple of months before you start talking out about it. But all this was asked, and all this gave an answer, and that is what it is. Uh, I don't know if you should have been suspended for it. But uh, then again, if your relationship with... And let's face it, he was their biggest star, by far. Has deteriorated to the point where you guys are publicly arguing and fighting here. And having a spat, then it's probably for the best that he doesn't come back and he just sits out the rest of his contract. Um, now that leads us into the second part. Where do you think all this goes next? Yeah, I think you already said your answer. No, actually, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, his wife is an impact. He has a deep, rich history with impact wrestling. Um it could be WWE because let's face it, the list of matches for him to have in WWE are just off the charts. Uh, him versus Gunther, him versus Sheamus, him versus Cody part two. Please, please give me that fucking yeah. match. Um, again, that literally Nick Aldis versus Cody for the NWA championship at all in is one of my favorite matches of all time. And and you know, Just they could actually the they could the actually WWE reference time. that match a little bit on commentary and in the story that they're telling. As yeah. opposed to it would maybe in the new day and age WWE they might. Yeah. Um and again, you know, not to roll them out completely, but in a way, because of that match between Cody and Nick Aldis, Nick Aldis has a big part of AEW existing today. So that could be an option, too. Uh, hopefully not. I think that company's a fucking dumpster fire and people need to start jumping ship while they can. Nah. Uh, and then, you know, there's a possibility of New Japan. We'll have to see. Like, it, this is literally, like, one of, like, the most exciting, you know, MJF brings up the bidding war of 2024, mm -hmm. right? Well, this is the fucking midterms, baby. Because Nick Aldis and where he's going to end up is just as exciting, in my opinion, as what MJF's actually going to decide to do in the next two years. Uh, for for is, wrestling fans that know who he is and have watched him, yes, 100%. Now, WWE is going to have to build him up as a star because he's not one outside of the people that watch NWA and watch hard, hardcore indie wrestling and all that stuff. Yeah, he's, he's one of the biggest names out there, but... As far as a WWE audience, uh, you got to build them up a bit. 
Uh, obvious. Uh, I don't think so. You know, and and look, there's there's this thing of the casual fan versus the hardcore fan, and it's this constant debate. And you of I have have had that debate, and this is part of that debate here. The casual fan for the WWE, the casual fan is the biggest part of their audience. But let's not forget the casual fan. That's we can get to this a little bit in the Braun Strowman story coming up uh, with the where he mentions the IWC. The IWC is not really a thing anymore. In that every wrestling fan has has a phone, has the internet in their pocket. And so they're constantly scrolling through Facebook and Twitter and seeing all this stuff anyway, uh, whether they're actively taking part in it or not. So... You sound like my <laughs> therapist. The IWC isn't real. The IWC can't Well, hurt it's just that the IWC is all-encompassing now. The IWC is just simply the fan community. And... Which it kind of sucks in a way. Because I think it's done some bad things to wrestling. I think... I think it's taken wrestling in a direction where no matter what a company does, you know, the fans think they're a better booker than the guy running the company and that they have better ideas and that they should go with the way, what the fans want. And that's not always the case. But it's hard to, hey, you know, you should have done this with this person and you should have made this person champion instead of that person. Rather than just letting the story happen, we get sucked into these debates and we're as guilty of it as anyone. Uh, but back to Nick Aldis here and what I was, my point there was, I, th I still think f from a WWE perspective, you have to build them up because a good chunk of their audience has probably heard of them, but they haven't seen them. They're not going out of their way to watch NWA power. So, you know, I, I still think some work has to be done there. Now you can give him a big, you know, you could say the same thing about AJ Styles when he debuted at the Royal Rumble. A number of years ago. He had never been on WWE TV. He was a little TNA Impact star. And hey, he got a pop. Not, not, it was, not, it was in just... Orlando, but he got a pop. And just just the fact that, oh my God, and they had that reaction. It's AJ Styles. Automatically makes the casual fan who doesn't know him. Oh wait, who's everyone knows who this guy is? I don't. Let me look him up. Because again, you've got that internet right, in your pocket. So... You can... Oh, who is this guy? Let me go look at old NWA power shows and, and find out. Ooh, look at this match against Cody Rhodes. Oh, my God. I'm hype about this guy now. You know, we can go over to... So, I, I agree with you in that sense. Uh, you can go, like, outside of wrestling, we can think talk about, like, the Avengers, right? At the end of the first Avengers movie, there is this purple-faced guy with his giant chin. Who the fuck is that? Comic book comic book fans knew immediately who he was. I didn't know who he was. But within a couple of weeks, everyone was talking about Thanos. And a number of years later, it's the biggest movie of all time. Let me, uh, let me just add something to this, though. A little caveat, if you will. Kind of where your uh, argument crumbles on you. What is a constant argument that you and I have on this show? Like, every week. The validity and how big Bullet Club is. <laughs> right. When AJ Styles was coming into WWE, he was leaving Bullet Club. 
Do you remember the hype and speculation leading into Royal Rumble? I remember it because Royal Rumble always happens on the weekend of my birthday. Every year. The hype going into it. No DQ. Aaron Riff. Uh, fucking Sam Roberts when he was doing his little off-to-the-side wrestling thing. You had Dave Meltzer. Literally anybody and everybody speculating if AJ Styles is actually debuting at the Rumble. And everybody speculating whether or not it was going to translate well, if so. There was, by the sound of that pop that he got when, you know, of course, WWE's camera guy fucked that all to hell. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, it was Kevin it was Dunn. Insane. Kevin Dunn had I... no idea that AJ Styles was going to be such a big star, right? Yeah. But when the screen said, I am phenomenal. Tell me that wasn't one of the biggest pops we've heard in probably the last 10 years. Yeah. Maybe not the top, but one of. But a good part of that was the location of where that Royal Rumble was. Correct? No. Not a fucking... You gotta remember, that was man. In a, that was a crowd AJ that Styles knew very well part. who AJ Styles was. Now, that's smart. AJ Styles hadn't been an impact in five years at it that point. It doesn't matter. That was... That was when he was there was the heyday of you could say they've been having another heyday here lately, at least as far as pure storytelling wise. But as far as audience wise, it was when he was there and when you had, you know, Sting and Samojo and Kurt Angle was when they were at their biggest. I mean that crowd, you know, obviously I, I they knew who AJ Styles was. And anyone who didn't got swept up in the oh my God, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. Same deal. Let me look him up. And oh yeah, this guy's awesome. Let, now I'm excited to see him now. So, and I think you get the same thing here. And and it's it, because of that, it can be hard to si- kind of see the difference between the casual fan and the hardcore fan. Because the casual fan very quickly is going to go, oh wait, everyone's cheering for this guy. I've never even heard of him. It takes five minutes or less to, to look this guy up. See a couple of see what people are talking about about him. Oh, Nick Aldis, I've heard of this guy, or I haven't heard of this guy, but I've never seen him. Now I'm hyped because I've looked him up. You know. Meanwhile, you have Wendy Chu, who is a fucking homegrown WWE talent that Shawn Michaels spent the last three months trying to push down everybody's throat, even though she has the worst gimmick in professional wrestling. Worse. Than fucking Orange Cassidy, even though you and me disagree on Orange <laughs> Cassidy. And she debuts against Tamina on main event this week, and the crowd went absolutely silent and did not give a baker's fuck about who she was. So then the arguments made for homegrown WWE talent that gets pushed down your throat on other programs versus the indie darlings. Sure. Sure, there's always that. And there's always, especially with WWE, there's always going to be a little bit of that from the fans, a little bit of that. We don't want the guy that you want. We want the guy that we want. Uh, No matter what. And, you know, it was Roman Reigns for years. He got booed. No matter, you put Rock in the ring with him, he still got booed. But once once they gave into that and they just let things happen organically, look at where Reigns is at now. But... 
let's be fair, that was also in Philadelphia. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. They're good. They booed Santa Claus. We know that well. No, we threw batteries at Santa Claus. Big difference. <laughs> All right. We'll go ahead and move on to our second main topic here. And that is Austin Theory on, on Raw cashed in his money in the bank contract for the United States Championship. And then he lost. Tony, what in the hell's going on here? So I, I have theories on this, obviously. My Austin theory on this is that Homie was a fucking McMahon dude. Like, everybody knows Austin Theory got over because of Vince McMahon, liked his look, liked his style, liked his personality. And something happened during the regime change in WWE that I don't think a lot of people realize happened. So, if you remember the talk with Vince McMahon and the cover-up scandal and everything like that was going on, brought up a lot of accusations against a lot of wrestlers again. One of those wrestlers that got caught up in it was Austin Theory. Granted, nothing's ever been proven, so this is all alleged. But when you have somebody that the last regime has pushed so hard to make a big star, and while you can't prove this or deny this, you now have this stain on your person for the rest of the time. Think Enzo Amore. But here he is, money in the bank title holder. You got to get fuck off of him. Can't get him go against Roman Reigns. Because, let's face it, you put him against Roman, and Roman would literally just have to fucking murk the dude in the ring. Well, let me back you up here. If you're going to have him lose, why not put it against Roman? At least it doesn't make him look like a dumbass in the meantime. Because I hate to say this, Roman's coming off one of his most entertaining defenses. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's the most, but it's one of the most entertaining defenses against Logan motherfucking Paul. Let that sink in for a second. So you're going to have Logan Paul, an outsider, that was his third fucking WWE match, have a dominant showing against the champion, almost beating him multiple times. And then the next week, you're going to feed a proven multi-year veteran of the sport of professional wrestling who's been billed as a potential threat and contender to multiple championships. Just get fucking railroaded? Like, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. And I feel like that would probably leave a bad taste in some people's mouths. I... I... And as I just said, I think it's weird that they had him cash in on the U.S. title. I, I think that in itself was dumb. I got no problem losing the money in the bank. I have no problem necessarily with the way he's been, quote-unquote, booked or buried. Um, now, here's the thing. After this, because I think Austin Theory, quite frankly, deserved a lot of that push in the way, at least as far as... Hey, this guy, this is a guy of the future. He's got a look. He's got talent. He's good in the ring. He's he's a great heel. He's got a face you love to hate. 
And he, but he's really incredibly young. Um, that last part, the fact that he's so young and he's still a little bit green, he's still got a lot to learn. You know, you can I, you, you can make the argument he's getting pushed a little too far too fast, and maybe he wasn't ready for it. On the other hand, I thought he had a great showing at WrestleMania. So. Uh, you know, against Pat McAfee. And and quite frankly, having him in there with Pat McAfee, who's only kind of a part-time green wrestler, showed that the trust that at least that regime had in Austin Theory. But I think burying him's fine and in, in, in not having him as in as big a part of WWE television is fine. If it's just because he's not a Triple H guy, I think there's an issue there. If they have maybe a plan here for him, and if, if something happens between now and the end of the year or now in Royal Rumble, where he gets his sort of comeuppance a little bit and he gets to get a little bit of a comeback as a heel, I would like to think that they're doing this and making him look like a chump because they have some plan for him in the future where he... Oh, you all thought I was down and out, and here we go. I'd like to think they have that plan. Uh, because I think I think he's a huge talent and a tremendous talent that deserves it. And hopefully he's he's not just getting buried for the sake of being buried. Please don't tell me you're telling me that Austin Theory's gonna win the motherfucking Royal Rumble. No, 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 no. I don't think that at all. That's not but I, I think I think oh my you could God. I think you could do something where you could where you can build him back up in a heelish way and make him an even bigger asshole than he was before because of the story that's being told with him right now, where he's just a dumbass getting buried. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I'm I'm gonna hold off judgment on this specific moment because it just happened. And we don't know, one of the easiest things to do in wrestling is judge a story that hasn't been fully told yet. So we don't know where this is going for Austin Theory. Hopefully it actually ends up as something that's bigger and better for him. uh, As opposed to what it looks like in the moment right now. Alright, we will go ahead and move on to the next topic. Nikki Cross would defeat Dana Brooke for the 24-7 title. With uh, damage control in tow behind her, uh, walking through the back area, she would dump it in the trash. Well, she would kind of miss the trash can, dump it beside the trash. And uh, lo and behold, on WWE.com right now, the 24-7 title is listed as retired. What do you think of this happening on Raw? The 24-7 title being done with. And uh, what do you think of the 24-7 title's legacy? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm so happy that her husband, Big Domo, came through and cleared some things up. That uh, Nikki's never played basketball. So that's, you know, <laughs> good to yeah. know. Um, I apologize, Big Damo, not Domo. I don't know why the fuck I said that. Anywho, thank God. The 24-7 title's been doomed to go to the wayside since it's yeah. debuted. You never want to debut a title and have it get shit on by every fucking legend of the form of wrestling that you're trying to replicate in a PG fashion with the 24-7 title. You literally had Mick Foley come out and clown on it from day one saying it looked like a clock in a Waffle House, which 
I don't know the last time you've been to a Waffle House, but he's not wrong. Um, it, it was a trash fucking title trying to be the hardcore title. That, that literally all it was. Remember back in the day when Crash Holly had oh, the absolutely. hardcore title and he imposed a 24-7 role? We got some awesome matches oh. like... FAO shorts. Again, that wasn't my kind of stuff. There are some classic moments that are well-remembered by certain fans, absolutely. Not by me, but yeah. Oh, you're also a Debbie fucking downer. <laughs> Anywho. Well, that, that over-the-top bullshit's not my yeah. stuff, but we all know this very well at this point. But go ahead. Yeah. It was trying to replicate something that they weren't going to be able to replicate with the 24-7 title. It gave our true something to do week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really did become our true sort of way to get more TV time. Which, let's be fair, it was. That's always a good thing, and that's probably the best thing that could be said about the twenty four seven title. It was, it was a vehicle for our truth. And our truth is one of the most underutilized Agreed. wrestlers of all time. You know, speaking of. Speaking of past holders of the 10 pounds of gold, you yeah. know, R-Truth holding it in TNA for such a long period of time. Ron, the truth killings. Back when he was fucking tag teaming with Pac-Man, goddamn Jones from the Bengals. Um, but such a great wrestler, so fucking underutilized. Like, when he started doing his little program with The Miz and then they put him on NXT which was a great spot for him because he's actually showcasing like he's like what 55 57 and he can still fucking go like a 28 year old like just giving that man all of his fucking flowers but unfortunately you know he just had the fucking injury at the on nxt television just went under one surgery friday i believe yeah but that was literally the only positive part of the 24 7 title Thing is hot garbage, want to be a hardcore title that never can be, and it belongs in the trash and it shall stay. Now, what do you what do you think it could mean for some of the other people that like a Dana Brooke, who has gone on record saying she wanted to try and morph the title first to elevate it, and then to try and morph it into a uh, a mid card women's title, like a TBS title. What do you, what do you think of that possibility? You know, I... Should they have done that instead of just getting rid of it wholesale? No, just make a new yeah. title. Yeah. Don't try and do a mid-card women's title with something that was a fucking joke. Like, and my issue with that is, like, you know, we talk about this pretty regularly. The fucking women's division in WWE isn't really expansive. So at this point in time, you don't exactly need a mid-card women's championship. But you know what you do need? You need a woman like Dana Brooke challenging for the WWE Championship or Women's Championship because I think a lot of people forget, like, she's that one. Like, when she came onto the scene, coming from a fucking powerlifting background the whole nine, and look, I don't want to hear in the comments because that comment's going to be very contradictory coming up in one of our next topics, so bear with me. But she had a look on a female professional wrestler that we weren't really used to in WWE. You know, 
she was kind of like the uh, photo negative version of Jordan Grace on Impact. Mm-hmm. So Dana Brooks, right? When the women's divisions back up to full strength, absolutely need a mid card women's title. As for right now, Dana Brooke needs to be concerned about being in the women's title picture because she deserves it. Agreed. Though I, uh, I am not opposed to. I was, as I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about the mid card title, and my first thought was, you know what? They've got the tag team championships right now, and they've got, they've got two world belts, uh, which, if they were to combine those into just one women's world champion and then have an undercard, I would be thrilled with that. There are all these rumors with uh, the WWE Universal title and that they want to split that back up. Uh, they just can't figure out how to get one of them off Roman without, you know, having him take a loss. I don't like that. I want to I keep him. I want one world belt. I want one, one world belt for the women, one world belt for the men. Because uh, otherwise, right now... I mean, if they split the men's up again, you're going to have four world championships in one company to say nothing of NXT. So to me, that's just <laughs> that dilutes it a bit, though. I can understand from, say, from a from a TV perspective, you know, USA, especially right now. Hey, why, why don't we have a world championship on our show half the time? You know, when Roman Reigns shows up, it's 90 times, nine times out of 10, it's on Fox we want a world champion too. You know, where's that at? So I can understand USA being, and, and them wanting to appease USA. I understand it from a business perspective, just as a wrestling fan. I wish there was just one world champion. And the same thing with the women's. I wish, I wish there was just one world champion. And then it would be easier to have a mid-card championship. That being said, when you have just even just one on each show, you know, okay, you've got your main event of SmackDown and your main event picture on Raw, and then you've got the tag team picture. You know, where that where does that leave a Dana Brooke if she's not a part of the world title or tag team picture? She's not going to be on TV. So, I mean, I guess you could have an undercard match here and there cold, but that's, that's no fun. So I think having... An under a mid card title, even with two world titles, would be beneficial somewhat because you'd at least want to build a story around it. As long as it's not treated like the IC or US title used to be treated in the previous regime. But let's think about this though, because unifying the title and having the new regime come in was one of the best things that's ever happened to the United States and their kind of agreed. It's been a huge source of my contention with WWE for the last number of years. Literally, originally, I did a fucking whole segment on here about why WWE is dropping the ball with the IC title. So, with that being said, why could we not do the same thing? And the networks are fucking stupid. I guarantee you, if you were to swap the United States title with the IC title, put the IC title on Raw... And then you go down the rich history of the IC title. I swear to God, these fucking network execs will be looking at it like it's the IWBC World Boxing title or something. And just, oh, oh. Yeah. So, with that being said, you could absolutely unify the women's title. 
it still makes no sense for as shallow as the women's tag the women's division actually is right now barring aside the tag team division that they have going for themselves which is strong I mean actual competitors so I'm not watching Bailey versus Bianca for the 100th fucking time again we could actually do something with this and it could actually be pretty incredible agreed agreed all right what do you guys think do you think the 24-7 title should have been retired? Do you think there should be a female mid-card championship like Dana Brooks suggests? Let us know in the comments of this video down below. All right, we will move on to the next topic here. Sarah Logan has made her turn to the WWE alongside the Viking Raiders on SmackDown Friday night. Um... At first, everyone looked great, but then we went online and it realized there's a there's a big hubbub about uh, her look and how it looks like it may the look may have been stolen from another professional wrestler, Max the Impaler. Uh, I didn't I'd never heard of them. Max uh, has a look. I like the look a lot. In fact, looking at down there at the bottom in the subject. I would argue Sarah Logan almost looks like a cheap cosplay version of Max the Impaler. Max looks great. Kind of a kind of an Abaddon version of a Viking. Kind of a mix there of the two. Um, I can see where people are saying it's stolen. Now, the problem is this wasn't just the IWC that was saying this. Quote, 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 unquote, the IWC and wrestling Twitter. It was a number of wrestlers who were coming to Max the Impaler's defense here saying uh, that... Sarah Logan has stolen uh, Max's look. What do you think of this uh, sort of controversy online? And do you think WWE will uh, adjust her look, Sarah Logan's look here a bit in the future? Fuck Maxie Impaler. Leave your fucking look alone, Sarah. This is absolutely fucking stupid. This is the dumbest goddamn thing ever. Let me tell you why. She is Max the Impaler. She is the warrior of the wastelands. It's a Mad Max-inspired look that she herself ripped off from a video game called uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which they actually took from Nordic, Nordic pagan religion style. I think something that really needs to be cleared up with all of this is that um, Viking isn't a class of person. Viking was an occupation for those in Scandinavia, uh, people who actually like practice the religion of Norse paganism, where the face paint that Sarah Logan's wearing is coming from a religion that her and her husband actually practice. So, if anything, could you argue that Maxine Paler is, you know, culturally appropriating what Sarah and Eric believe in? Uh, I will disagree with you a bit there. I, I think, I think, look, and I'll usually defer to people within the business a lot of times. Not saying I can't disagree with them, obviously. Uh, but when a lot of people within the business are saying, "Hey, this is this is stolen," and I, I will say, just because a wrestler has stolen a look from a TV show or from a movie or from history. You know, if another wrestler comes and takes that same look, well, you know, to use a more uh, lighthearted 
version of stolen gimmick infringement. You know, do I think... Here's here's what a lot of people have pointed out. And I, I haven't fully made up my mind one way or the other on this. But what a lot of people are pointing out is here, Sarah Logan has the bigger audience, obviously, on WWE TV. Whereas Max D and Paler, they've been on different, you know, independents. They had a... a, a a match on uh, AW Dark Elevation, I think, was uh, perhaps their biggest moment. Um, so Max doesn't have quite the, even though they've had the look, quote unquote, longer or first. With Sarah being the bigger star, a lot of people will see Sarah and then eventually maybe see Max the Impaler and go, oh, Max is just a ripoff of Sarah Logan. And even though I think it looks better, you know, the argument could be made there, hey, you're, you're lessening because the look is similar enough, at least the face paint. You know, Sarah Logan's always had the Viking style, as you pointed out. It, it's something she's always done. You know, the dreads she's had before. It's a part of her legitimate religion. But, That's where she got the idea from. Not a no-name fucking indie wrestler, and I love indie wrestling. Never fucking heard of her, her, they, them, whatever. Yeah, they haven't heard of this person a single fucking day in my life. And you know how I feel about indie wrestling and how I am mm -hmm. very much into it. Yeah, yeah, I. You people really can't knock someone from taking inspiration from their fucking religion, and. I, I do over. think maybe it was like, hey, you know, Sarah Logan and the, the WWE, they were quick to place blame on them a little too much. That being said, you know, they're coming to the fence of a fellow wrestler that, you know, they like or they've known or they have a personal relationship with. I can see both sides of it, 100%. So do I do I think it's necessarily stone? Do I think maybe, maybe tweak Sarah Logan's look a little bit? Because this controversy is blown up online and let's face it, Perception is reality in a lot of ways. The perception right now from the majority of fans is that the look was stolen. So, you know, whether we agree or not. So do you think WWE will and Sarah Logan will shift the look at all on TV to try and stay away from controversy? Well, then perception's fucking ignorance. <laughs> like... There's, there's no All reason right. to say that, Let me but put this... just because just because you disagree no, is, doesn't not... necessarily make it ignorant. But no, but it is though because it's literally based off of her religion, something that she's practicing. Okay, doesn't make the other side ignorant. So but... let's say, well, let me ask you though. So let's say on AEW we get. The debut of somebody who wears traditional um, Native American Aborigines garb. I'm not talking like Nyla Rose. I'm talking like closer to Tatanka back in the day, right? So it's a homage to his people and his land and where he's from and how he was brought up. And then all of a sudden, prior to that, you get this guy on the Indies. Let's say his name's Warhorse. Uh, 
and he's known for being more of a metal look, but he has kind of a strikingly eerie face paint that resembles uh, Nightwolf from Mortal Kombat. And this dude's white as the driven fucking snow. So because Warhorse on the independent scene already is wearing this traditional style makeup, <clears throat> but now you have a wrestler on AEW who's actually from that background and that lineage. Are you going to shit on the wrestler on the AEW scene? Because this is actually what they are. While you have this indie wrestler who's been around forever and is fucking loved all over the place who has similar makeup. Okay, I see where you're coming from there. But but could the argument be made now that this person on AEW TV, they've got a bigger audience and now they're in this gimmick that's similar to Warhorse? No. Because that's oh, the real uh, deal. Hey, okay. That person's actually First Nation. This is a white dude on the independent circuit that's just fucking beloved for being a great person, but stole his idea of makeup from a native, from a first person on from a video game. You're culturally appropriating somebody. There's no fucking in between on it. The same way everyone should be pissed off at fucking one man gang back in the day. Mm -hmm. Well, not directly pissed off at him, but pissed off at Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson. I mean, so no, like, again, I don't know what Max the Impaler's beliefs are, but I know what Sarah Logan's beliefs are. I know what Eric Rowe's beliefs are. That is their culture. Like, they literally fucking practice this shit on a daily basis. It's kind of like a sensitive subject to me because I did a 23andMe test a while back because I wanted to know what I was because I always grew up underneath the assumption that I was just fucking Irish, right? Right. The red beard's not a fucking dead giveaway. But I also found out that I have Norwegian heritage. Norway is a part of Scandinavia, what it is today. It was a big hub for Vikings. The interesting part of it was I just found out that my Norwegian called my Norwegian heritage never actually left for the United States. So you do digging, you find different things. Inevitably, you get into the Viking culture. You get into pagan, Norse paganism. I don't practice it. I respect a lot of people who do. I know a lot of people who do. I personally ask friends. So it's one of those things where we have to protect everything nowadays. And be careful not culturally appropriating, which I believe. But there's not a line where that fucking stops. There's not a fucking, like, scale of where can we stop calling something cultural appropriation. We're going all in on it, and it needs to be for everybody. Because you're literally telling people who have a fucking religion that they can't wear traditional war paint or celebration paint. Because somebody else does it. But even though you're... That's so fucking stupid, dude. It's like telling Colt Cabana that he can't be a Jewish wrestler anymore. Or you can't tell MJF. Quit talking about being a Jew in your promos. Because we already have Colt Cabana. Like, it's fucking stupid. There could be more than one of... Someone in a religion or race or gender or anything like that so why the fuck are we cutting these people short because somebody on the independent circuit got butthurt 
And to be fair to Max the Impaler, I haven't seen anything directly from them about how they feel about it. It was a lot of people coming to her defense saying, ooh, this is this looks a little too much like my friend's, you know, uh, my friend's look and their gimmick and all this stuff. So I, I want to... No, you're right. Absolutely. She hasn't... They haven't made a comment yet, but sometimes silence speaks mm-hmm. volumes. But, uh... Especially if it's your friends coming to your defense. I want to know what everyone out there watching thinks. I, I might post this video onto Twitter, a clip, this clip of this, rather than just doing the clip out that I normally do on on YouTube. Because I want to see the, the conversation that this can start, especially since uh, Tony is so vigorously on the other side of this from a lot of people. I want to see what the conversation and the debate can be like. Please, let's be civil. Uh, including you, Tony, in, in any debate that happens under this video on Twitter, I want to see I want to see what people think of what uh, was said here in this segment. Uh, so please comment down below uh, in a Twitter thread down below wherever you see this. Uh, let us know what you think. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to our next topic. Uh, speaking of Twitter, Braun Strowman pissed a lot of people off this week. He uh, got onto Twitter here, and in a tweet that has now been deleted, I couldn't find it last night, he's, he's apparently deleted, and his uh, response to it, which I'll get to in just a minute, um, the Monster of All Monsters tweeted uh, earlier this week after his match with Omos at Crown Jewel, holy hell, at the giant Omos, can you believe we got 47 stars and reminded the people that no one cares about all these floppy floppers? Giants, giants and monsters greater than Flippy Flipper. Bag, bag your groceries at Kroger. Hashtag airport test. Hashtag size of the prize. Hashtag, hashtag swole is the goal. That immediately got a response from a lot of other wrestlers on Twitter. Uh, the first up was Mustafa Ali, who said, Can you teach me how to get fired? Which was pretty great. Uh, Chris Jericho said, I used to bag groceries. Ricochet, uh, said, just don't ask him to stand on the scale or he'll threaten to sue you. Um, Will Osprey had a response. Um, to all of this, Braun Strowman, uh, sent out another tweet under it that has since been deleted with the original. Yo, yo, all my brothers and sisters in the locker room, no matter where you came from, I have mad respect. We have all worked very hard to be where we, where we are. And all here for a reason. Take a joke, IWC. Y'all come at me nonstop, and the second I fire back, y'all melt. Now, uh, and I liked F- I liked uh, Dax Harwood's uh, tweet in relation to this. Dax Harwood just classing the joint up as he always does. The flippy guys need the giants. The technicians need the brawlers. And my short, ugly ass needs all the help I can get. Uh, ultimately, and above it all, we need y'all. We do this for y'all. So, uh, it came out, it's been reported in all the uh, wrestling media that Adam Shear, that Braun Strowman has some very real heat in the WWE locker room from this tweet that has since been deleted. What do you think of this uh, Braun Strowman controversy right now, the heat he has and the tweet he made? First off... uh top guys forever and always i mean that's just the classic absolutely response um my personal 
reality-based issues with Adam Shear, I will put aside for this and say WWE didn't need fucking Braun Strowman back. He's a fucking mediocre wrestler. He was a mediocre power lifter. He was a mediocre fucking strongman. And maybe he can find greatness in actually bagging groceries at a fucking Kroger. You want to talk about gimmick infringement? Swole is the goal, size is the prize, it's gains a clock, motherfucker, let's go, is a catchphrase that was coined by Robert Frank, so I don't know why he's using that himself. Robert Frank, who is a much better weightlifter than what Braun Strowman is from the videos in which I've seen of him from his past. Um, I think this is just another case of professional wrestlers who are the big men being insecure about their spots on the card going forward in the future because... We are in a very interesting and awkward time in the world where maybe your Hulk Hogan's and your Ultimate Warriors aren't always going to be world champions. Yeah. There's value in everybody in the professional wrestling landscape. And maybe Homeboy has a little bit of insecurity about him that he just can't get fucking past. So now he's going to take it out on flippy floppy wrestlers. And that's, you know, ignorant as a motherfucker. Uh, and good. He deserves the heat. He needs to get his ass kicked. We talked about this earlier with the Mustafa Ali. Maybe this is why Mustafa Ali is in the uh, world qualifier. The world, the SmackDown world. Because I would love to see nothing more. Even though he's a raw star. I would love to see nothing more than Mustafa Ali to absolutely bury Braun Strowman in the middle of the ring. And he can go back and run control your narrative where they don't do the flippy dippy bullshit or whatever ignorant shit EC3 was trying to push over there. But... Guess what? He controlled his own narrative and went to NWA himself. So, you know, it is what it is. God, I got to get that on my chest. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 he came out and obviously in that second tweet, he said, hey, take a joke, IWC. So he kind of backed up and said, hey, I'm just joking here. Um, and running through his timeline real quick, he's been, he's been very good since he's, he has leaned into it a little bit. One of his most recent tweets was... Uh, let me see if I can find it here. I had his... I had his... Oh. Uh, his most recent tweet was... And here, I'll, I'll bring it back up. Was him... At one of those uh, trampoline... Indoor trampoline places. And he's doing flips. <laughs> and he says, how many stars... Am I doing this right? Hashtag troll killer. Hashtag flippy floppy. So even though he deleted the tweet, he's still kind of leaning into some of the heat he's got from this. But, you know, and you could look at me and as a guy who doesn't like the Young Bucks style of wrestling and some of the independent style of wrestling that I would argue is just flippy floppy bullshit. I don't mean that in a, hey, these guys are are athletic and they're doing great stuff. Amazing things that I could never ever do in my entire life, that's for sure. And, you know, and just, just uh, criticizing them for being able and for flippy flopping in the ring, that isn't the right criticism at least the way i look at it it's it's how they're doing the flippy flops in the contest of the match when they're doing their athletic moves is it just a spot fest are they just going from one flippy floppy spot to another 
that's where I have my issues with some of their wrestling, and you disagree with me on that, as opposed to, you know, someone who can actually go in the ring, like the Hardy Boys back in the day. Jeff Hardy had his flippy floppy moves, but he could tell a story in the ring. It wasn't just a high spot fest. It was, it was there would be a spot, and then there would be wrestling, and it would tell a story to get to the next spot. So, you know, and that's where my criticism sometimes comes in of where modern day wrestling is at. Where it, and it can be the big guys as well. It can be the hardcore death match, you know, and that's a lot of my issue with that, where it's just, it's a spot fest, but it's, it's not a flippy floppy spot fest. It's a weapon spot fest. It's a blood fest, rather than actually telling a story in the ring. You can do all these things. You can have the high flying stuff. You can have the hardcore stuff, the death match stuff. If it's done correctly and you tell a proper story and, and with, with proper wrestling psychology, then I'll actually enjoy it. It's it's when it's a spot fest that I have my criticisms about that. He just kind of openly kind of leaned into some of the some of the more base, like, oh, they're flippy floppies. And like you said, I think he was a little insecure in that he is a big guy who traditionally is going to have, you know, and he has been WWE champion. But is that the spot he's going to be in going forward? You know, maybe not. Because... I don't know that he has that kind of character to, to, to hold that. So, I uh, highly suggest everybody goes back and watches Control Your Narrative, Monster Among Men. It was a pay-per-view that took place in Orlando during WrestleMania weekend two years ago. And a lot of it was cinematically shot. And it was actually, it's a good watch. It is a good watch. I will give them that. But there is a scene where... Adam Shearer is in a bargain, pissed drunk off Jack Daniels, crying in a shot glass. Because this McMahon don't want me no more. And EC3 is trying to fucking hype him up through it. And it is the most sadly pathetic bullshit I've ever seen in my life. God damn, you were literally billed as the monster among men. You debuted as everybody's creator wrestler from any WWE game of all time. And you can't fucking parlay that into a career with a different company. Instead, you're going to sit back and ball like a baby back bitch. That's not controlling your narrative. That's not doing the work. That's not size is the guy, swallows the goal, size is the prize. That's fucking pathetic, dude. And now you come in and realize that, hey, you may not have that spot anymore. So you got to fucking degrade everybody else. You are a piece of shit, my dude. I will say this about him. And especially if you go back and look to how, how he looked when he first came in and he was with the Wyatt family and all that, and how he looks now, the dude has a look that is undeniable. And he even has a presence on screen that I think translates well on TV and in an arena. If he can... if Yeah, somebody who buries your entire tag team division who's not as tall as he's billed wearing red skinny jeans that's being overproduced by the banana okay, nose circus. Jared. I believe is what Jeff Jarrett said. <laughs> I, I think he has a look. I think I think he could be something special still if he can keep his mouth shut. And And by all reports, he has been acting well backstage. He's been fine. He hasn't had some of the issues he's had in the locker room in the past. But... Uh, it's even been said, hey, there's there's backstage locker room brawn and then there's Twitter brawn, and they seem to have been two di- very different people. You know, I saw that from an anonymous quote from a WWE superstar reported. 
So, so he's another one of these guys who needs to get punched in the mouth because they're too comfortable high. No, 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 maybe. Yeah. That's a great look too. Yeah. So if if, if he can learn to hell. keep his mouth shut, I think I think he'd benefit from that because he does have a look uh, that you can invest money into and and get something out oh, of, that's... even if you'll never enjoy it. We'll go ahead. You can't deny that the dude has a look and the dude has potential. Literally. One of the coolest things I thought WWE did during the Vince McMahon era towards the end of it is to showcase how powerful he was. They literally made him a tag team fucking champion with a 10-year-old. No matter how you felt about it, that was pretty cool. I will give him that. (laughs) Go, Nick. But regardless of what you do on screen doesn't make up for who you are when the camera's not rolling. And this is kind of where my personal issues with Adam Shearer come in. Because that person will never admit they're wrong. They'll never fucking go back on what they say when they think nobody's fucking watching or when they think that they're untouchable because of it. But everybody sees, everybody knows. And eventually, you have to answer for that bullshit. And it's the same way with what you say in real life and what you say on Twitter. There are fucking repercussions for this bullshit. It's just, you know, the kind of person he is, though, as a human being. All right. <laughs> What's the next topic, Bob? Well, let's jump right to it. The next topic is, uh, well, that was the last topic. We're on to our quick jabs here, and I got a few of them written down. I got a couple others up, so uh, we got a few here. The first one was uh, is uh, uh, on Raw this week. Uh, we've been hearing for weeks, you know, a few. it was a few weeks ago, AJ Styles, you know, the OC lost another match to the Judgment Day due to Rhea Ripley interference. And AJ Styles says, hey, I know someone that can help us out or something along those lines. And then weeks later at Crown Jewel, they were still losing due to Rhea Ripley interference. Finally on Raw, the someone that uh aj styles was talking about came out and debuted and hey the oc got to walk out on top with the judgment day judgment day uh looking on after having just gotten oh beat up by the oc mia yim is that person and we had different thoughts about who this might be but it turns out it's mia yim are you excited to see mia yim back in wwe and are you happy that she's a part of your original club here Hell yeah, Mia Yim, if you haven't been paying attention to her on Impact, my God, what a treat she's been. She's completely revamped her entire style. One of the most interesting women's performers in Impact. Hopefully, with the new regime, they don't water down what she found in herself when she went away. Um, Also, you know, pretty cool that Club, they formed in Japan, they go get Mia Yim, one of the top Japanese female performers I think in the States right now. So yeah, I, I dig it a lot. Bring her back. Let her just kendo stick the shit out of everybody. Um, put her on a bigger pedestal than what Keith Lee's on right now, which is kind of <laughs> yeah. weird to say, but um, yeah, I fucking love it. Love Mia Yim. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, I'm excited because I, I never have uh, been exposed to a lot of Mia Yim. So I'm excited to see what she's what she can do here. Obviously, she's going to be, I would imagine at some point, she'll have a match one-on-one with Rhea Ripley, and I'm excited to see that. That could be a, a great match. Uh, that can show a lot of people, myself included, what Mia Yim can do. All right. 
You're excited to see Mia Yim get pinned by. Rhea I'm excited, excited to see it. anyone get pinned by people, Rhea Ripley. I, you know, but let let's not mince words there. Uh, I only wish Rhea Ripley could pin me. Uh, we've had a fun stuff out. Something happening on Fox TV, no less. Uh, <laughs> on Fox TV, on the Masked Singer, this thing blew up in uh, wrestling Twitter. These videos of uh, the bride on uh, the Masked Singer from the last couple of weeks is so obviously to anyone who loves wrestling, Chris Jericho, right? Even though they've tried disguising his voice as like he's doing like a weird British accent, and they obviously have a voice changer on, like. You hear him at the end of a song go, yeah, baby! And, like, that's Jericho. There's no way this isn't Jericho, right? Well, you realize who's not there during this, right? One of the judges is noted professional wrestling fan, Ken Jeong. Uh, has he not been on, on the panel? I, I haven't, I haven't so you, paid that much attention. No, he has not been on the panel. That's something that they actually brought up afterwards when they were trying to guess who he was. Um... It wasn't just until right now, though, that I put two and two together that yeah, SmackDown that was, was something on Fox I was going to bring up. And Jericho is yeah. AEW. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, it's obvious to say that voice. Uh, for all the credit in the world, Fozzie ended up actually being, who would have guessed, a pretty great fucking band. So <laughs> it's just so funny the way they're trying to play it off. But everybody in the world's like, you're fucking kidding me, right? Every, every like, wrestling fan is like, that's, yeah, we know that voice. <laughs> and it's so almost like it's he's like, not even trying to hide it while he, yeah, after he sings, like, he, other than the little British accent when he's just talking. That's not even So my that question good. is this. There's no way in hell, like, not a prayer, homeboy, that this hasn't, like, when the judges looked at, like, Masked Singer hashtag on Twitter... That they're not saying that the bride is Jericho. And I'm sure, like, this is the most overwhelming response that they've ever gotten <laughs> to yeah, like, like, who a mass singer is. There's not a doubt in, like, any wrestling fan's mind. Like, oh, no, he that's Jericho for sure, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Like, this isn't going to be like, oh, my God, it's Rudy Giuliani. Like, no, everybody knows who the fuck this well, is. Well, the mass singer isn't live. It's taped, right? So has all this already been taped, I would imagine, months ago? So... Because remember, they I were thought talking it was about... taped to TV. Huh? I thought it was taped to TV. Live to tape. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure they filmed all this months ago because they were talking about it. Oh. Remember when Tom Brady went on his uh, two-week sabbatical with the Buccaneers and everyone was like, oh, he's on The Masked Singer. Except that they had already recorded that was one of the reasons, no, he's mm. not doing that. So I, okay. I think this was... Although that would be really ago. funny. But... uh yeah, the bride pops her, the bride pops his head off, and it's actually Tom fucking Brady. <laughs> Tom, that's <laughs> what caused the divorce. Oh man, yeah, that would be great. All right, uh, another one I've got up here is MJF has been cast in the Iron Claw movie uh, about the Von Erichs in Texas. Uh, he will be playing the fake Von Erich, Lance Von Erich. Uh, and I want to correct myself. I believe when we talked about this last week and the week before, we mentioned uh, Zach Efron and how much I was, and, and Tony was not. He he was right the entire time. But for whatever reason, 
I'd misread the headlines and thought Zach Efron was playing Carrie. He is, in fact, playing Kevin Von Erich. Uh, Carrie Von Erich is being played, and again, I, I forget the actor's name. He's being played by uh, the guy who played Philip on Shameless, which I think is fantastic casting. I think he'll do great with Carrie. Uh, what do you think of MJF here as the fake Von Eric on Iron Claw? His casting here. First off, that I'm super excited for this. Not because, like, if you're not already excited for this fucking movie to come out, it's an A24 production. A24 does not fucking miss when it comes to movies. No, they don't. It's going to be the first legitimate professional wrestling movie that's come out since the wrestler, a signed poster from the movie that I have behind me. And three, this is starting the trend of all these professional wrestling movies that are getting ready to come out. One of the big things that a lot of people pointed out when it came to Thor Love and Thunder was how much bigger Chris Hemsworth was during the filming of that and how much bigger he was as Thor in this movie. That's because he started his fucking steroids cycle to play fucking Hulk Hogan in Netflix's upcoming Hulk Hogan biopic. I mean... This is about to be, like, a huge next couple years for fucking wrestling movies, dude. So, super stoked about that. But on the other side, in the perspective, in the short term of it, you have so many potential storylines for MJF to be in right now. Because MJF doesn't give a shit about AEW. MJF can't be AEW champion when he inevitably beats Moxley coming up at full gear. You can't be champion. You don't care about AEW. You don't care about the people. You don't care about your devil worshippers. You're off doing Hollywood now. You're John Cena. You're The Rock. Go sign with WWE in 2024. We don't fucking need you around here. We need full-time champions. The fucking story is building itself already, and it's fucking amazing. I'm here for it. Take all my fucking money. I get paid every Tuesday, AEW. Take my paycheck for that fucking storyline in general. The rest of your product can fuck off at this point, but... MJF. <laughs> uh, speaking of MJF and Moxley in full gear, uh, Friday morning at 10 in the morning, we'll have a special full gear preview show where we'll run down each match and what we think will happen. Uh, we were thinking about doing it today and recording it alongside uh, the show here, but we want to wait until after Dynamite on Wednesday night and get that go-home show before we really talk and dive into full gear. So that'll come out Friday morning. At 10 o'clock, we'll record it Thursday night. And uh, I don't, we won't be doing a full gear live stream. I do, we haven't done any AEW live streams yet. I want to eventually, it's just a little harder because I don't have uh, Fight TV or the ability to get AEW pay per views at the moment. But uh, I will be doing that. I will be changing that up shortly here. So we'll start to do some uh, AEW live streams. Here very shortly when those pay-per-views there's only a couple of years it's only four years so it won't be that bad all right uh, thanks peacock <laughs> back to mjf on iron claw yeah i think this is great casting uh i'm excited to see what he'll do in a movie um i don't know that much about uh lance von eric other than it was uh i know it was because mike had mike von eric had Ooh, what was it? He had a toxic, toxic shock, I think. Toxic, yeah, toxic shock, shock syndrome. syndrome. And so they needed a quick replacement. And they brought in a guy and said, we'll name you 
Lance Von Erich. You'll be Waldo's son, so you're a Von Erich cousin. Uh, and and they they uh, he filled in real quick in a match against uh, the Freebirds. And if you don't know your wrestling history and you don't know anything about world class, the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds, man, go look that shit up. It is I'm some of the best. In you. Some of the best wrestling of all time is that feud right there, the Von Erichs and the Freebirds. Uh, go look that up. And if you don't know the Von Erichs, it's it's a tough story. Uh, WWE actually, believe it or not, has a really one of their the best things they do was their documentaries for a time in the twenty aughts and. And into the mid-teens before the network. And they have a really great world-class DVD a documentary. I believe it is on Peacock. Uh, the Triumph and Tragedy of World-Class Championship Wrestling. It's great stuff. Look it up. You'll learn all about the Von Erichs there. And uh, the only surviving one is the one uh, Zach Efron's playing. Uh, Kevin Von Erich. Kevin, yeah. Uh, and the other... Uh piece of reference I'll point you to is if you have Hulu, you can watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode that they did. Yes. Uh, where they actually got one of the very few Kevin Von Erich interviews for an entire show. So, that was a... Uh, it's fucking heartbreaking, man. That's a heartbreaking story. I don't care who you are. The biggest, baddest motherfucker will cry watching that bullshit. That family is just tragic as a motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. But some... Absolutely incredible wrestling uh, against the Freebirds. Um, Carrie Von Erich uh, winning the world, the NWA World Championship from Ric Flair at the Parade of Champions at uh, the Dallas uh, Stadium. There, absolutely fantastic stuff. A stadium show for world class. They were that big that they didn't fill a stadium, but you know they. They had to put on a stadium show to fit in everyone in for that. It was a big deal, and that that match, by the way, is on the network too. Uh, it's not the greatest quality. Apparently, the tape WWE had wasn't great. They even put a warning in front of it. But I watched it not too long ago. It's it's a good, great match, great crowd, great atmosphere, and Ric Flair. You know, obviously, this was in his prime, uh, putting over uh, Kerry Von Erich. Uh, oh. And how can you forget about the Texas Tornado? <laughs> yeah, his WWE run, not exactly uh, very well known. It's uh, pretty easily forgettable there. All right. Uh, another quick jab. You know, those were the three I'd written down, but I got a couple others up here on the screen. We can talk about the Usos. Uh, they'll become the longest reigning, uh, at least the longest reigning modern tag team champions. Uh, I don't know how that ranks against all former WWF tag team champions or I don't know if it, that's just the uh, the uh, the current nickel belts that they have um, uh, did you want to did you want to say anything about that yeah no I actually think it's very plausible that they are the longest reigning because if memory serves me correctly the previous longest reigning tag team champions were the New Day yeah and with the tag team title, it's a little bit more viable to me because it wasn't the WWWF title where you could put it on fucking, uh, or you could put it on Bruno San Martino for seven years. You know what I mean? Like, it's the tag team title. It's obviously not going to have much prestige as your top title. It's going to have some to it, but I, I can buy that it's going to be 
the Usos' longest train. It's hard for me. And rightfully so, too. They're a hell of an entertaining tag team. I'm looking it up right now. Because they they have... They've split up the tag team championships and they've, you know, unified them and split them up and unified them and split them up so many times that they're, they're, they're separated. So I think they're definitely just talking about the modern versions of the the Raw and the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. But, because you can go back to when they had the Raw, you can go back to when they had the WWE and Tag Team Championships and the, which is the one that we would be talking about, but then they also had the World Tag Team Championships, which was had been the WCW Tag Team Championships before that. You know, so there's a lot of, parsing of history here and who what claims what history and all this stuff i'll go back and i'll try and look and see if i can figure out if a wwf uh tag team championship reign was longer back in the day we'll see uh another one real quick here that i have up um hey hey it's about conrad thompson he's a we know he's been getting into some uh, promotion here of actual wrestling shows. He obviously did uh, Ric Flair's last match uh, during the summer, and that was a big deal and a big show. It was very successful. Um, and he's getting into bed with AAA, apparently. Um, he wants to co-promote, or they're, they're planning on co- co-promoting a show on WrestleMania weekend down in Southern California near L.A. Uh, Carson, California, I believe it's called, is the city. Um, and the, the venue they're looking at is a 7,000 seat venue. Now, I would say, hey, AAA, that's great. They're getting some, they're, they're trying to move into the United States here and there in some border areas. And, you know, I would imagine, hey, in a Southern California, they would get a decent crowd there. And, hey, they're looking at a 7,000 seat venue for a show uh, on WrestleMania weekend. Hell, that's great. But then you look back at the recent history. I mean, AAA back in the day, they had a great following in L.A. They had, a, what was it, a, when Worlds Collide in 1994 in L.A. that did bonkers business. Um, but since then, it has been great. Um, I know back in 2019, before the pandemic, they tried doing a show in L.A., WrestleMania weekend, and they had to cancel it because it didn't sell enough tickets. Um, they uh, Dallas for WrestleMania this year. They had a show in Texas, in the Dallas area. Which you think, oh yeah, that's that's a border state with Mexico. Uh, that drew less than a thousand fans. Uh, right now, they got a show next month for Tempe, Arizona, that hasn't even sold five hundred tickets yet. So they're not drawing very well in the United States, even along the border states. So, do you think this is a good move for Conrad and for AAA to try and get a 7,000-seat venue? Do you think maybe Conrad Thompson is the guy that could uh, co-promote a AAA show and get some other, uh, other guys with him? So, you have some AAA stars and you have some other maybe American stars on the card to build up. Because they're looking at a 7,000-seat venue here. Do you think this is a good idea for them? Absolutely, it is. And here's why. Do you know how hard it is to find AAA? It's like tape trading back in the day. You know? So, 
they already have a great English broadcast team. I don't know if you've ever heard of these two guys, uh, Vampiro and Matt fucking Stryker. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's our English broadcasting. You know, I want to say I knew that, but that was, you know, I never watched. So they do a great job as a team together. Um, Vampiro, obviously, you know, with all this health shit and him trying to get back into um, not just performing, but getting back into the right kind of health space and mental space to just be himself again. I feel like him commentating in AAA has done wonders for him on that aspect. Excuse me, Matt Stryker is just Matt Stryker. Um, I think if AAA wanted to do this by themselves, they would have done this when Lucha Underground was on air. Because Lucha Underground, for a short period of time there, especially towards the end when they signed Ray fucking Mysterio, uh, they definitely revitalized the niche in the country for luchador wrestling. Um, I also think that maybe a part of it's just translation issues where they couldn't really get the right kind of advertisement out there for when you're running a show. But now if you're going to partner with somebody who is an absolute fucking money whore juggernaut like Conrad Thompson, and I mean that in the best way possible because I'm sure me and Bobby would both sell our assholes to be on the ad-free network. Um, Yeah, the the dude's a fucking juggernaut. He knows how to push it together. He knows how to make it happen by the grace of God or Satan or whoever we got to sell our soul to, Conrad. Um, But yeah... Conrad's going to be that dude, I think, that can take AAA to the next level. Yeah, I think. His first show he ever promoted, I believe, was a sellout, was it not? Yeah. And did well on pay-per-view. And did amazing on pay-per-view. For a small show like that, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a couple other plucky young upstarts that we know of. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... It's going to be great for AAA. It's going to be great for Conrad. And hopefully this just leads to more of Conrad getting that promotion bug. Even though he said vehemently after producing Ric Flair's last match that he was not getting into the promotions business. Well, here we are, buddy. Welcome. Do it. Go for it. Give yeah, I think he may may have gotten the itch there. Though it's it's a lot of hard work. And he, was, he, he talked about how happy he was when it was all over after Ric Flair's last match. But now... But here it is. If he's co-promoting with uh, with AAA, that might be a little bit of an easier load. He just has to worry about doing a couple of American shows a year. If that's if he, if he's getting in the bed long term with AAA, or maybe it's just this one show. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is exciting news. I think this is good for AAA because Conrad Thompson's going to know what to do to get this uh, to, to sell this show, especially around WrestleMania, and he's going to have. As you said, his network and his, all his podcasts are going to be promoting it. So that's going to get the word out there. Whereas maybe the Tempe show and the Dallas show last year, just no one knew it was even happening. So this this can only be good for AAA and we'll see uh, how it works for Conrad. All right, that's all I've got. Uh, anything you want to add here for quick jabs? Nothing I can think of off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure we covered everything on... But it's oddly a slow news week for both AEW and WWE. <laughs> yeah, especially AEW, but uh, that's all right. Oh, wait, no, I got one. I got one. I have one. 
CM Punk has made his return back to our television screens. How do we forget to talk about this? Uh, I mean, we can bring it up. Yeah, quick jab. He, he's back on uh, doing the uh, commentary gig for the uh, UFC uh, affiliated promotion. I forget the name of it uh, that he was doing before he uh, returned to AEW uh, last year. Let's be honest what it is, Bobby. Call it what it is. It's Outlaw Mud Show Mixed Martial Arts. Nah. And Dana White gave them a bone and threw them on UFC Fight Pass. And they're like, shit, we just paid a bunch of money for a fucking fight promotion nobody gives two bakers fucks about. Let's put a name on there that everybody knows. I know who's hot right now. Let's bring back old Phil Well, he was on there. Come on, see. He was on there before, and that's why he was on there. Hey, he's a star. He's great. He's a great commentator for wrestling or for UFC. I've seen some of his UFC stuff. He knows what he's talking about. He's he's really good on the mic. He's he he's entertaining. He's entertaining to listen to. Can't deny that. So dog shit fighter, dog shit. <laughs> well, fighter. it's not like he was yeah. doing it his whole life. You know, you got you got to give him credit for at least getting in there. But uh, I just thought of a I saw of a second quick jab. Okay, shoot. I don't know if you saw the news this week, but Bobby motherfucking fish is putting his money where his mouth is. And has actually joined an upstart mixed martial arts league that has been funded and co-founded by Floyd Money Mayweather. Isn't he? Uh, isn't Bobby Fish getting a little old to be jumping into the MMA? I mean, I know he's done a little bit of it before, but he's only got a. I would imagine I mean, he's only got a couple the same of fights about, in him. Everyone says like you know this being too old to get into things bullshit. I don't believe him, man. If you actually, like, put effort into training and put the right things into your body for a long period of time, which obviously me and Bobby do on oh, a daily Well, there's that, yeah. That's not what I was talking about. I'm more about the jersey that I'm wearing, then, but... Then, yes. <laughs> no, perfect exactly. example, though. Tom Brady. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know... These guys are the fountains of fucking youth. Chad Ochocinco and Terrell Owens still looks like they could fucking have thousand-yard seasons. Easily. And it goes into a lot about what you put in your body and how hard you train and what you do with yourself. So to think that Bobby Fish couldn't go and actually have a couple victories in a mixed martial arts, which is something CM Punk himself can't say, it's not that far-fetched. All right, and speaking of Tom Brady, game update. He's got two touchdowns right now. There are 10 minutes left in the game. Bucks are up 21-3 to here in the fourth quarter. So, yay, go Bucks. NFL is just going to go buttfuck on this status that he's still the only undefeated NFL quarterback after a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, hey, if, if having that off his shoulder suddenly turns the offense around – it looks like they're doing good today. I've obviously been doing this and setting up for the show, so I haven't seen any of the game. Uh, normally, I'm every Sunday I'm watching the game. That's part of why we record this Saturday night normally. But uh, all right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Maybe Bandito, if we want to get a little bit of AEW news in here. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of uh, AEW and AAA news, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was a bit of a free agent, and he could have gone to AW or WWE. We obviously, uh, he made a vented uh, Dynamite not that long ago and was apparently immediately given, 
an offer by Tony Khan after the match. It was so good. Or at least Tony Khan liked it so much. Uh, and that's the direction he ended up going. Because mostly because of the schedule, he wouldn't be. He didn't want to do a full time WWE schedule because of his family in Mexico, and he uh, they wouldn't move to the U.S. So, uh, what do you think of Bandito coming to AW? I love it. Uh, Bandito was a staple of Ring of Honor. Um, hell, in my opinion, he still holds one of the greatest matches in GCW history. Um, so to see what he's going to be able to do more on a national scale now, it's exciting for me. Like I, you know, I'll eat crow on this one, but lately I've gone on record talking a lot of shit about AEW and most of it is absolutely warranted. However, with that being said. The one thing that I can appreciate AEW for, and I think a lot of people should realize what AEW is good for and appreciate for, is the fact that they've actually exposed a lot of amazing talent to a mainstream audience who normally wouldn't get to see this kind of wrestling. Agreed. That'll agree with. And hopefully he gets uh, hopefully he gets showcased well on, on Dynamite and on on Rampage and on actual TV, and he doesn't get, you know, sort of relegated to the YouTube shows. I think I think he will. Obviously, he may have been a Dynamite already uh, before he had the contract, and he did so well that that's why he was given the offer. So I'd like to think he'll be he'll be I used mean, can, well. Can you really, like, actually think about this for a second? Casual fans would not know who MJF was. If it wasn't for a great WWE, the rumor is that they wouldn't know who the fuck MJF was if it wasn't for a mm-hmm. like to me, that is absolutely fucking mind boggling. Jungle Boy Jack Perry, casual fans would not know who he is, despite after every fucking dynamite, you can't get on my fucking Twitter timeline without seeing. That jungle boy's a jungle man now, and a bunch of you thirsty fucking heifers. I see you, but anyway. Well, I don't see a lot of that. I, I see the ward hose out there, but uh, I don't see a lot of that. I don't. I don't see the jungle boy yeah. stuff. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about that one real quick. Uh, ward hose, by the way, I love that. How about fucking Samoa yes. Joe putting in a vibe for the TNT title? That that's a fucking banger of a triple threat match we're about yeah, to Yeah, that that I'm excited for and we'll get into that on the full gear preview, but yeah, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe and Warlow together one on one, I would I would love. That would be fantastic. Um I, I kind of wish it was just that, but the three-way will be great too. Um All right, I think that's just about it. Anything else you want to bring up? Let's get to watch the rest of this Bucks game. Yeah, uh Seattle just fucking scored. That's why if, if you saw me looking kind of upset while you were talking, it wasn't about what you were saying. It was that Seattle scored. But uh, we're still up. To- <laughs> no, I love seeing you in pain and despair. Uh, I love okay. it. All right. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. Our 25th episode. We're 25 in. How about that? Hey, we can almost legally drink if you count episodes for <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. We'll see you Friday for the uh, all for the uh, full gear preview.
preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.